0: You're listening to Teaching STEM For Real, a podcast dedicated to for real conversations on educational equity in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics education. I'm your host, Dr. Lena bakshi McLean, STEM education disruptor, justice advocate, certified ruffler of feathers, and a wannabe comedian. I'm also the founder of the nonprofit STEM For Real, If you want to explore what anti-racist and socially just instruction looks like in our classrooms, schools, and beyond, for real, you're in the right place. Let's dive right in. Have you met the Creekmoors? Talk about hashtag couple goals. Nita Creekmore is the founder of Love Teach Bless on Instagram and currently works as a K-5 instructional coach. She believes that the foundation of education is building positive relationships. Her other half is Michael Creekmore, also known as the Bearded School Counselor, or who I like to call Mr. Love Teach Bless. He's currently an elementary school counselor He wanted to have an impact on the younger generation earlier, and specifically, young Black children. As research suggests, representation matters, and students aspire to be what they see they can be. Together, their work is breaking down barriers to achieving educational equity. Let's talk about the power of social-emotional learning as a lever for equity in STEM. All right. I've got the power couple right here in front of me today. We've got the Creekmores. We've got Michael Creekmore and Nita Creekmore. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us here at the STEM for Real show.
1: Thank you for having us. We really appreciate
2: it. We're super excited to be on with you.
0: Awesome. So I know how amazing both of you are. However, I'd love for you to share with our audience today, you know, just a little bit about your journey, you know, what shaped you both as the educators that you are today, and kind of a cute little love story, how you
2: all kind of came together. Okay.
1: You ladies, ladies first. Okay. <laughs>
2: so my name is Nita Creekmore. I am a fifth year instructional coach, and I was in the classroom for 13 years at the elementary level, um, teaching most of the elementary grade levels. So I'm 18 years in education. I am a lover of kids, a lover of just DEI efforts. And I just love, you look at Love, Teach, Bless. I love picture books. I love diverse reads and the impact and power that diverse reads can have on, not just in the classroom, but just at home and families and everyday lives. And so Michael and I also have create more conversations, which we talk a lot about relationships in school and out of school, and like parent educator type things too as well.
1: I have been a licensed professional counselor for, oh boy, don't want to date myself, but it's been like at least fifteen years. Um, So I made the transition into the school system four years ago and becoming a professional school counselor. So I brought my years of experience in the community setting. I had previously worked in, in many different capacities in community mental health, from Department of Family and Children's Services, Department of Juvenile Justice, community mental health, um, psychiatric residential treatment facilities, whether it be adults and children and um, outpatient counseling agencies, as well as the insurance companies. So I worked with United Healthcare as well for some years and dealing with um, doing some work there for them. So I brought all that experience into the school system. And I thoroughly enjoy working with children. I think in every aspect of my career, I've always been working with children in some capacity. So I love working with children. That's been a passion of mine. If you look at my feed, you'll see all things, sneakers, self-care, and social justice. Mm-hmm. That's, that's usually um, the motto or the mantra for me. And I do believe in um, seizing the moment when you have the opportunity. So as my wife said, we have, we do have creep more conversations um, that is uh, up and coming up and running, shall I say. Mm-hmm. And we're here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow. And, you know, just hearing about both of your backgrounds, it's so funny that, you know, now we have this SEL, social, emotional learning, SEL, mm-hmm. SEL. And it feels like it's the new flavor of the month. People are looking for a curriculum, a t-shirt, a hat. You right. know, they're, they're all yeah. about SEL and you're probably wondering, like, we've been saying this all right. along.
1: <laughs> right. Lots of that.
0: Yeah. So tell me, tell me about this resurgence per se of um, how everyone is, is, you know, on this road to SEL and how can educators make it as, as part of their teaching and part of their identity and not just, you know, another thing to do another flavor of the month.
1: Well, I feel like you have to fully buy into what social-emotional learning is, and I'm assuming that everyone listening is fully aware of it being social-emotional learning and there being five basic components, meaning self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, responsible decision-making, and relationship skills, and I think for educators to fully grasp onto that and be able to incorporate in their classroom. They have to believe in it mm-hmm. um as with any curriculum if you're going to teach it with fidelity you have to be able to believe and buy into it because if you don't kids are like the number one you know determinants of whether or not something's real or not they can tell if you're if you really buy into it or if you're just doing it to check a box i think overall the reason why it has become the wave recently to your point is because during the pandemic there was all this well Look at all the stuff that kids get from school. They get the, you know, the interaction with their friends. They get, yeah. you know, the, the, the self-esteem building. They get all this nurturing, all these things that happen in school. And now that they're isolated, we feel like they've suffered so much emotionally. Like their emotional needs have not been met. So it seemed like within the past, I'd say three, about three years, two, three years, mm-hmm. it really exploded onto the scene as a way to try to combat what a lot of educators feel like was lost during that time. So I think that's kind of like where it came from. But to answer your question regarding how to first get it into the classroom, we, I really feel like we have to start with the educators. Um, the educators have to be able to buy into it because if they don't, it's not going to be taught with fidelity. It's not going to be infused in the classroom. And, and also, you know, it's, it's not going to work if they don't believe in it.
2: I was going to add to that too, because I almost think that last year was almost like, and I don't know the right terminology, Mike, you're going to have to tell me the right terminology, but like um, almost like post-traumatic, like shock. Like I think a lot sure. of the kids, the teachers were just like almost in shock after the, pandem- after the pandemic. And now we're seeing a lot of behaviors and behaviors in students, but also teachers just they're like done. And so I think some of the SEL, like Mike was saying, like definitely the teachers have to buy in, but teachers have have to be doing some of that work themselves. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? For themselves and themselves. So that will increase the buy-in for them to do it for their students as well. You know, I was just having a conversation with a, um, a teacher today, just about student behaviors and just having those conversations. But also, you know, I was also talking to her about, you know, our economy right now, just thinking about gas prices and and the weighing of that on just, it's a lot on us, but thinking about, you know, disadvantaged homes and and homes, you know, that's really a stressor. I mean, that's a huge stressor on a family and just the finances. And so the stress of that coupled with the pandemic stress, coupled with all that, you're going to see some behaviors at school that we have to, you know, think about getting to the root of that and not just looking at the behavior, you know, as it is too. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I and I think one of the things that you said was, you know, this isn't just for students. This is something that we teachers, teachers need to think about this as well. Administrators need to think about this as well. And, and I feel like when we're having these conversations about SEL with the adults, there's this gravitation towards um, this toxic positivity, that, where it's like, well, I stay in the classroom because I just love what I do, and you're leaving because you just don't love what you do enough. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I just read somewhere one of the reality shows, someone was like, our women are just not working hard enough. You're, you're mm-hmm. not working hard enough. That's what you need to do. Uh, forget yeah. the reality TV millionaire billionaire contract, you just need to work harder. But <laughs> so wow. how do we do that? How do we, you know, go back to our teachers and say, all right, we've got a really difficult task at hand. We're dealing with a pandemic, a post-pandemic, a mm-hmm. war, and right. you know, increasing gas prices that are affecting our livelihoods, and yeah. yet the show must go
2: on. How do we support? Yeah, go
0: ahead.
2: Okay. No, I was I was gonna say. I think transparency. I mean, I might talk about this all the time. I think just instead of just carrying on like it's like day to day,
1: right? nothing's happening.
2: The transparency and the realness of what's happening is so important. And I think sometimes educators, which the field of education is mostly comprised of is female dominated. I think that we're just sometimes expected to just Keep pushing, Mm -hmm. you know. Keep pushing. Keep moving. Keep just, just. You can do this. You got this. And and yeah, I do have it, but I also have emotions and feelings, and I'm a human being about what's happening in our world, what's happening in our United, in the United States, what's happening on a day to day, and we kind of have to check those feelings and dig into our emotions because if we don't, yeah, you're going to have a mass exodus because teachers are going to start putting themselves first as we always should have been doing from the first thing right. and, and get to a point where they just, they, they have to take care of themselves instead of just, like Mike always says, instead of checking, what do you say? Checking the, um.
1: like checking the boxes?
2: No, checking in the car, checking the, um, Oh,
1: you have to check your, um.
2: Check engine light.
1: Check engine light. Yeah, like. We all have our own individual uh, check engine lights, just like vehicles do.
2: Mm-hmm. If
1: you don't check it, then the, your, your car, which is yourself, going to break down at some point. There's going to be some repair that needs to be done that could have been prevented had you have been, you know, making sure you were doing the things to all things self-care to prevent it from happening.
2: Same thing with kids. You know, it's like, it's like if we're checking our check engine light. As adults, as the adult in the classroom working with children, we have to kind of get a pulse on what their engine light is. Like, you know, right. and until they get to the point where they explode. Like, what is the triggers? What is this? Do we stop and I mean, I love yoga, so do we stop and have a moment of, of breathing, of stretching, of talking through our feelings, of having a community circle, you know, all of those things, it's okay to stop and have that moment, you know, we're humans as adults, and they also are human beings as, as children. Right.
0: I like that, this idea of a check engine light, and I feel like a lot of our check engine lights were on before the pandemic.
2: Right. Absolutely.
0: And then the <laughs> pandemic hit and we were like, oh no, our yeah. car broke
2: down.
1: Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No, our car broke down and we still have to push it and keep pushing. Yeah. Yeah. It's broken and down, but we still have to get to the stoplight.
1: And guess what? I can't even go anywhere to get it repaired now. I'm just sitting here. I'm just stuck at home with a broken car. Yeah. So yeah, there's that. Um <laughs> definitely transparency. And then Along with transparency, which goes right along with this, authenticity like, allow yourself to be real. Like, don't keep feeling like you have to act or be a certain way just because mm-hmm. it's expected, because you're the teacher. Now, I'm not saying get in there and start cussing and dropping a whole bunch of F bombs and talking about how, yeah, this F sucks. I'm not saying any of that. But what I am saying <laughs> is just talking to the kids about, okay, You know what guys, Ms. Creekmore is having a hard day. Um, Trying to push through, it's tough, but we are gonna get through this together. Mm -hmm. Like having those types of conversations and talking to the kids because whether you're teaching K or 12, they all get, okay, I'm having a hard day. That's universal for K through 12. They get it, they understand. Mm -hmm. Maybe some of the Ks may not, but they're getting there. They can show you that they're having a hard day, but they might not understand You saying it but most children understand that and they usually respond well to that and will try to help you and encourage you to push through as well so I think that's something that's a good teachable moment and allows you to be transparent and real
2: and responsive so the thing is is that like I think what you to your point Mike like being responsive to your emotions but also the emotions of the students right right so like if I know that I'm taking a pulse of my class and we're just not there. I mean, we're not going to be learning our multiplication facts right now. That's not going to happen. So being responsive and saying, hey, I'm going to, we're going to take a 10, 15 minute break to do to talk about what's happening. Or, you know, like you were saying, Mike, like if I, if I'm having a hard day, what are some ways that I could have, I can manage myself a little bit better? I have these emotions. Now, what do I do with these emotions? What can I do with these emotions in a healthy way? Um, and I, I just think that not only does it help with the social emotional learning, but it also builds community in your classroom. Right. You know, to say that we're a family, we're, we're in it together. Now, I'm not saying put your whole like, don't use your students as like your therapist. No. Right. So, no. but, not, at, not that but at the same time, like you can show through you're having a hard day or your emotions. How you work through that. Like, what's the best way to be a teacher is to also be a learner with your students. Yeah.
1: It gives you the opportunity, the role model. And all of that that we just talked about is almost like the epitome of self-awareness, right? Exactly. Like being able to be aware of your emotions, being able to identify what's going on, a self-awareness. And then without even realizing it, you're working through and going into the self management because now you're trying to move forward. So like when I think of social emotional learning. Uh, sometimes I, I want to just say like, not that I want to forget the term, but so many of us in education were doing that already, like without it technically being called SEL, that like now you're putting a name on it and trying to put a label on it, put it in the box. Well, it's like when you really just sit down and think about what you do during the course of the day, you're already, most of us are already doing it. Most of us that are responsive to our to our students, mm-hmm. we've been doing it the whole time. Now it's a label on it. That's been there because SEO has been around for a while, but it hasn't really hit the mainstream like it has like within the past three years
2: or so. And I and I will say this too, and I know I know I keep talking, but sometimes when you put curriculum in a box, like, okay, so Social emotional yes. learning is is responsive, yeah. right? It's responsive to your students. It's responsive. So learning the skills and learning how to do that at appropriate times is important. But I do feel like when you know administration or districts mandate like this is what we have to do from this time to this time, it's not as um, authentic. It's like, it's like, you know, you're, 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 you're pushing it on them and then it ends up being another thing on the teacher's Mm -hmm. plate instead Mm -hmm. of woven throughout your day and intertwined throughout your day. And so I do like kind of warn districts about that. Yes. Give professional learning to your teachers, make it so that they know what skills to use and what times maybe possibly to use them, but give them professional courtesy into how they use it and how they can responsibly use that in their classroom.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, there, there's this push that if it's not in a curriculum, if there aren't in, uh, mandated instructional minutes devoted to it, it's, it's not going to happen. And, right. and I also am wondering if it has to do with the things that are on teacher's plates. I know, especially at the elementary level, there's SEL, there's math time, ELA, and and we're all fighting for this piece of the pie, this piece of the instructional minutes pie.
1: Yes, (laughs) exactly. And it can get that's exactly it. That's like the best analogy. (laughs) It is. That's what it is.
2: It's because it ends up being a lot. It doesn't have to. It does not have to be that way.
1: No, it doesn't. But you're right because even now I think like, like. In my district, there's MIT, which is math intervention time. Then there's lit- literacy intervention time. And then there's the time for this. And then there's the time for that. And then the teachers like, I don't have time. And I'm like, then I have to get in there and do my, you know, my lessons with the students. So I try to make it more conversational because kids are more responsive to that. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't always want to do some activity. Like, sometimes they might. But a lot of times they don't. They just want to be able to sit and talk. Especially, I have fourth and fifth grade, so it's not the same as kindergarten. Kindergarten, they want to move and be more interactive. Fourth and fifth, there are days to where they can appreciate a conversation. But you're right. That whole time pie is, like, ridiculous because you think about it as a chunk for this, chunk for that, chunk for this, then the specialist people, they need their um, time, then everyone has time. CLTs, ELAs.
2: I just think we forget <laughs> the, the power in, in integration. You yeah. know what I mean, and We forget the power and integration, and we try to fit into these boxes when we teach, and we forget the power of integration.
0: yeah,
2: yeah mm-hmm. yeah. and
0: and you talk about that a lot, especially Nita, with your with your books and your uh, diversity, and you highlight these diverse books. Mm-hmm. And in that power of being able to highlight that to your audience, you're you're talking about culturally responsive teaching without labeling it, without saying, and now we're gonna talk about culturally responsive teaching during this time segment. And here it is. No, you're not, you're not putting a label on it. You're sharing this something that's powerful that is social justice, that is anti-racism, that is social emotional learning
2: through your sharing. Yeah, I, and I do that intentionally it, because one, I I want to remind teachers that again like Mike said about a label so people are like uh you know critical race theory mm-hmm. uh, this i mean teach kids to be good people in the world teach kids to what to to practice empathy and be empathetic teach kids to have compassion about whether or not somebody is you know of the lgbtq um, two plus culture or whether or not they're from black culture or they're black or they, they um, identify as African-American or Latinx, like you want to just teach kids to be good people. And so I feel like, yes, we can have labels on things. I think sometimes, you know, when you think about research-based stuff, it's important for educators to learn those t- that terminology. It's so important. But at the same time, when I'm teaching my students, I'm teaching my students how to be good people, right? Right in society, um, and ways to make this world more equitable for everybody, you know. And so, um, I do do that intentionally. I think we, I think integration is super important. I think you do so much around a book, and so that's why I I post about books and different ways that you can integrate science and social studies and art and music and all these different things. Because when I was in the classroom, that's the type of teacher I I love being. Um, possibly because I'm really hyper sometimes. <laughs> and, and I'd like to like have fun and I want my kids to have fun. I think you can learn hard things, mm-hmm. um, hard and, history in fun ways. In, in in fun ways. And and when I say fun, I mean like um, having those rich discussions that Mike's talking about, right. Mm -hmm. Engaging ways and engaging ways doesn't mean we have to all be dancing on tables all the time. We can be engaging in conversation and it can be just as thought provoking and rigorous as dancing around the room. You know what I mean? So that's why I do that. Um, I feel like, I feel like books are so powerful and now like, I feel like, um, it's still not as much as it should, but own voices are really taking off. And I think that um, having own voices in the books that I share is, is super important. So we're sharing stories from people from that culture. I think that's super important as well. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's a passion of mine. And I think that we can, yes, do anti-racist work, social justice work through um, literacy. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and, and I think what I, what I love about what you were talking about, and I think, uh, Michael, you mentioned this too, it's the power of representation. And one of the things that we had talked about, I don't know if it was just now or in previous conversations, it was about I really needed to show my students my identity and who I am and who they can be. And so much of that is represented in the diverse literature that you share, Nita, and also uh, with what you were talking about, Michael, is this power of representation and how we can convey that message to our students.
1: Absolutely. Um, And I always say, um, kids often aspire to be what they see they can be, right? So if you see someone that as a teacher that looks like you, a counselor that looks like you, an administrator that looks like you, your mind starts to think, okay, that could be me. Mm -hmm. Like that could actually be me one day. Like I can actually see myself doing that. So it is very important to allow students to see images of themselves in different positions, not just the stereotypical, what society says you're gonna be or what, you know, People are saying that you're what what you're portrayed in as in on TV shows or whatever the case may be or in media. Mm -hmm. But what you actually can be is extremely important for students to see that. And my wife does a great job with it, with with books, Mm -hmm. um, because I think every other day. No, every day (laughs) we usually will get a book from from (laughs) my wife to review. Um, So she does a lot. And I'm not complaining at all because it enriches us too. So, um, yeah, that's extremely important. I'm a firm believer of that. And even though the school that I work in, um, it is predominantly Hispanic. Um, I even talk to them, even though I'm not of Hispanic culture. I still like to take the time to tap in because there's a lot that I can learn. And there's a lot that I am still learning. And that is part of the whole, now I'm going to label it, That's the social awareness piece. Mm -hmm. See, so it's like we do so much in SEL and we don't even stop to think for a second. Oh, wait, that would be under that would kind of fall under that component. So you don't have to necessarily going back to the earlier point. You don't necessarily have to label it if you are continuing to grow and you personally believe in it as an educator. Mm -hmm. You're going to naturally do it because that's what good educators do. It's just a framework to help you along the way. So,
2: and the thing that helps too is is knowing <clears throat> like when you know the terms, you become more intentional about making sure that you incorporate that in your day-to-day to right. walk as well, you know. It's more intentional.
0: Yes, and and speaking of being intentional, there's this this silent and hidden component that shouldn't be so silent and hidden and that is our parent and family engagement. And and looping them in and you're gonna love this Michael how about we just leave all of the family engagement all of the counseling and all of everything to the counselor because I'm a teacher I've got to teach the standards I have content to focus on but you Michael you can handle uh, you know 400 or so students or 1200 or 2000 wherever you're at in your in your ratio that's what we're hearing when it comes to SEL versus content. Like we have to choose. Yes. Are your shoulders heavy? Uh,
1: <laughs> they 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 can be. Um, I could take it. I could take it though. I I work out from time to time, so I I could take it. <laughs> but um, it it's frustrating because what you're trying to do is trying to get every student to learn how to, as my wife put it earlier, just genuinely be a good person by one mere interaction from a counselor, not like a collective, because I I do believe it takes a collective Mm
0: -hmm.
1: to help people grow and improve, right? So me being one counselor in the building, I have, I can tell you right now off the top of my head, I have well over 500 students that I'm responsible for Mm -hmm. between fourth and fifth grade in my school. Fortunately, I work with a great team of counselors. It's three of us. So we split each other's students and it's never, we never feel like we're on the island by ourselves. So that's good. Mm-hmm. But if it was just left up to us, which sometimes it, it is, and I, I, I'm going to speak candidly now. I know there are some educators in my, in my building who are like, have the same, have the exact same thought process that you just mentioned that you referred to. Oh, they'll just, they'll just cover it. <laughs> So what is that saying about you as an educator? What does that say about the importance that you think SEL or learning about other cultures or being able to be self-aware, being able to help your students navigate spaces where they are feeling like they're, melt, they're, they're gonna melt down? Like it helps you too, because mm-hmm. guess what? The same educators that aren't believing in it are usually the ones that are coming to you, talking to you about students in their classrooms. right? And they haven't tried any of the strategies, been participatory in any of the SEO lessons at all. But now they're wondering why they're struggling with this student or why they can't develop or foster this relationship, or you don't have the basic skill set to do it. Mm -hmm. So it makes it very difficult. And as a counselor, it is extremely frustrating to hear that because you feel like, what are you in it for? Like, so you really don't like kids. (laughs) So you really don't want to work with families because if you're not really trying to apply any of these skills or trying to like work within any of the five aspects or components of SEL like why are you still working with children like what are you doing and no offense but like I don't even see how you could teach a lesson any lesson without delving into SEL at some point and not saying okay kids we're going to stop this math lesson and now we're going to work on self-management because I see some of my students are getting upset and angry right now what is that feeling that you have I'm not saying do that but like it helps you work through everything Mm -hmm. if you just believe in it and you're actually trying to work through it
2: yourself you know while you're talking I'm like Mike I was thinking like it's so interesting because and possibly because I'm married to a counselor, sometimes I come home and I'll tell them, you know, yeah. hey, I did this today, and like, aren't you proud? Like, <laughs> aren't you proud of me? Like, I use some of the things we talk about <laughs> with the kids, and so like a very good example of that. Um,
1: and some of the staff, and,
2: yeah, answer them,
1: right?
2: them, But you know, aren't you proud of me? Um, so like, no, but it was a student, and um, she was she was having some uh, behaviors, right? And so I'm like third in line in my school. And um, that's why it's important for everyone to know like SEL and strategies and things like that. And she was, she would not speak. Like, she's like, I'm done. I'm done with everybody. I just, I'm done with this. And so just some of the strategies of just writing out your feelings. Can you write for me? And so she would write, right? And then one thing was like, she was, she list we talked through it and that, Writing, so she's writing. I'm writing. She's writing. I'm writing. That's how we're talking. Right. That's how we're communicating. And so we use I use a strategy of like you know who are your friends in your class. So she used her friends. So she got really excited about naming her friends. And then um, she was she was not being nice to herself. Like she was harming herself. And so I said, "Well, are you your friend?" And she was like, "Yeah." And she wrote herself on there. I said, "Well, do friends hurt each other that way?" And so we started having conversations about, you know. Do, how do you treat your body? How do you treat yourself if you're a good friend to yourself, right? So like having those conversations and being able to do that, it it does take strategy. It does take, you know, you knowing and being responsive. Mm-hmm. So like, I didn't take out a workbook and say, okay, we're going to do on this workbook page, like this page about, you know, it's just knowing the different strategies. And so it's just it's so important to be able to have the SEL strategies Because, like Mike said, you got into this thing, into education, because you care about and you love kids, hopefully, right? And so, if you care about and you love kids, that's the basis. Yes, you want them to learn, that's the outcome. But the journey of the love and building that love of learning and loving your students will want you to do the SEL journey, will want you to help them to be better people in the world, will want you to help them to know that together we have to make this world an equitable place. Right, that's, that's the foundation.
0: Hi, it's Lena, and I want to tell you all about our STEM for Real network. In our network, our educators, or who we like to call Netties, incorporate culturally responsive science and math teaching using lesson study. Visit us at www.stemforreal.org forward slash partnership. That's STEM number four real.org forward slash partnership. And learn more about how your school or district can partner with us and become our newest Netty for real. Wow, I love that story. And I think it's such a, a, you know, an easy story to implement. Something that, you know, can give our teachers something to think about. And, and you're right, we didn't, when as teachers, we're here for the children, we're here for the students. We're not here for some passion to teach Newton's Laws. Of course it comes with that, right? but then it's like, well, who are our students, one of the things that we do in our professional learning when we you know we're we're we focus on science we focus on STEM professional learning content and sometimes the, the responses when we first start are, who are your students, who are their families. What do they like? What do they what What do they dislike? And they're like, when are we going to learn about the next generation science standards? <laughs> and how how does this fit into our lesson plan? Like, no, yeah. this is the foundation, that connection.
2: Absolutely, right. absolutely, absolutely. It's definitely the connection and the connection with like with STEM, you know. And then and then also also including, you know. people who are mathematicians and scientists and all Mm -hmm. these different figures that have gave to the STEM community so much and then Mm -hmm. teaching about that too like so start with yourself and then you learn about others
0: yeah well unfortunately we're just seeing a lack of representation in the STEM career in the STEM fields and we we have to look at our pipeline. We have to look at okay, well, what's happening? What's not happening? And so as as we continue to look at our our teaching and our instruction, we're seeing that at the elementary levels, that our elementary teachers are overloaded. They've got ELA, they've got math, they've got what did you call it? MIT S I L I T.
1: Yeah, yeah, lit, lit. And yeah, now I'm we're trying, I be- would love an
0: SIT thrown in, you know, yeah. like just, does that right. even exist? But we're just seeing one, that we're losing our black and brown students. We're losing our representation as we move into science classes, AP mm-hmm. science courses, et cetera, uh, math courses. Mm-hmm. And, and I bring this up to you because, you know, we have this unique perspective where you all are parents, you're a counselor, you're a teacher, instructional coach. And so what is that like knowing that, oh, my, our elementary students are not getting access to science every day. And how does that affect or does it affect the
2: pipeline and what can we do? Absolutely affects the pipeline. Um, it's definitely inequitable. I, I And it's sad though, because the thing is, is that there's so much you can do with science, technology, mm-hmm. mathematics, engineering, in your classes, even at for you know for us the elementary level, but then building that that love of it early on. it's so interesting you said that because I just had a conversation with our technology specialist about how, like I said, we need to really get some more technology, um almost have like a tech coach, um, which usually is like her coming in or me. <laughs> Me or whatever. But like, um, I didn't have lot of, lots of hats. But like, you know, because I said, writing is going away. And so she was like, what do you mean? I was like, well, pen and paper is gone. Like, That's it's good. like more like my iPad and my my pen, right? Mm-hmm. I said, so like, it's not like writing in like the the way that I'm like saying it's going away completely. What I'm saying is like the actual handwritten note.
1: Yeah. The art of writing.
2: Um it's not necessarily going away, but it's technology is like taking over. And we have to make sure that our kids, in order to to be a good playing citizen in society, they have to be able to do technology. Like it's not even like a choice anymore. Like this is what they have to know, have to do. So how can we integrate that and show a love for it and show different, and Mike does a really good job of that, I'll let you talk in just a second, but and show that and build that love at the beginning like at the beginning in pre-K in kindergarten and just build that love. You can still have reading and math. You just, again, like I said before, integration, let's integrate it um, Mm -hmm. within each other so that we're just learning school. I know I sound probably more Montessori-ish, but like we're learning school and we're not like just it's math time and now it's reading time. And now it's this time we're, we're writing in science we're reading yes, yes. you know what I mean? like we're doing all of those things in science and I tell teachers all the time work smarter not harder why that reading that reading standard can be integrated into your social studies and science lessons easy that's done so like you know and it makes it more fun for kids like you know what i'm saying so like if you're learning about matter why not integrate all those things? Do experiments. Write about the experiments. Read about it. All of those. The reason why I was telling Mike is it was bringing Mike in because he does a lot of the career day stuff too. That's important.
1: Yeah. Um. As you as you, as you were talking about it, I was just wondering, like when we're talking about equity, what that looks like when we're talking about science, math, and technology, access to resources. Mm-hmm. Um. Because in the school, yeah, you can have access to certain things in school. But when you're going home and you don't have certain things that other kids have that help, helps them fast track their awareness,
0: mm-hmm.
1: then that does become problematic. You're kind of working at a disadvantage.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that starts early. That starts as early as elementary.
2: Absolutely.
1: So, like, I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking through it because I'm thinking about some students that I have um, at my school, and just knowing that the only time that they get to play with a iPad or tablet or anything is when they come to school, uh, when they're in technology class, compared to some of the students that I know have multiple have access to multiple things. Um, so I was just thinking about that because to your question about what can we do about you know the the clear like drop off between elementary to high school. Like, I'm thinking about some of the things that are, like, causal, like things that may be causing or contributing to that. No. So I wonder, like,
2: and by access you to that- it,
1: like access to it, yeah. of course, exposure to it, because I didn't even think about, like, like for, I just did career day at my school. We do it every year. We push it up a little bit earlier than, than normal this year. Um, but I always try to make sure we have access to certain, um, to individuals. Um, and sometimes uh, I'm not gonna say this. Let me be honest. A lot of times, I like I would like the individuals to kind of be other than um,
2: a white male. The
1: uh, white male. <laughs> um, so because they need to see that, um, and I feel like even exposure to that, everything is connected in schools. Like you have to be very intentional about things that you do, and it starts as early as elementary. Mm-hmm. So I just, I'm still sitting here wrestling with that because I'm trying to think what can be done. I know access to more things, but that doesn't mean, oh, you get an iPad, you get an iPad, you get an iPad. But just having the access to information and technology at a younger age, I think would definitely kind of at least somewhat even the playing field. But I'm trying to think now, like what else? Because I, that's a really good question.
2: Well, and like at my school, my first two years, they had like a STEM club. Yeah. Like so they had a, a club where they would kids that were really seem really interested in math, science, um, they had a STEM club. And so like someone would head that up and after school and do the club and then be able to take the after school bus home. And so they even like added robotics in there a little bit. And yeah. then they but, yeah. you know, and so mm-hmm. then they would go to like go to the tournament and things like that. And so those types of things get kids really, really pumped about about stem, right? and I just feel like I feel like 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 the reason why I said career day for you is because that plants the seed
1: right one right.
2: of like
1: it gives you the information to know what's out there, what you can do what what that career actually entails then also it can tell you how much money you can make um, make pretty good money yeah um, but it does it definitely helps but it's like even still why is that why is there such a drop off
2: i just think
0: well let me press a little more yeah. for your career day so yeah. all right you're on this you're on this uh you know you want to highlight and showcase people of color in careers right? right how difficult was it did you have to you know oh, i guess there goes career day i can't find anyone
1: um for well I'm trying to think how to actually, how to word it. You know, I'm just going to say it.
0: Hey, hey, we keep it it, real. Yeah,
1: yeah, I'll I'll, I'll keep it 100. Um, It wasn't hard for me because I I know a few people here and there in different different careers and different um, aspects of life. So it wasn't hard um, for me to do that. I think the bigger challenge next year will be trying to make sure I have enough people to come to the building because we did, our career day was for third, fourth, and fifth grade. And because my elementary school has more than 1,200 students, it's a fairly large elementary school. So we were able to do it virtual. So that was easy. But next year, um, I'm probably gonna need like at least quite a few speakers, probably mm-hmm. at least 15, 20 at mm-hmm. least. Um, so i probably, I might be giving you a call too. <laughs> um,
0: but, Absolutely. But I, I bring this up because there's this idea that Oh well, I guess they just don't exist. So, yeah. or there's well, there's there's no. Um, the, I think there's a tendency to think that it's not there, and so um, and I don't know if it's because people don't know where to look or they're constantly asking their same circle of friends. Yes. Or yes. what?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's definitely asking the same circle of friends because at the end of the day, um everybody, for better or for worse, they have their own comfort circle, right? People that they're comfortable going to to ask questions or ask for favors or ask them to help them out with mm-hmm. something. So they have their comfort circle. And a lot of educators, they build their comfort circle based on proximity of the school in which they work. Mm-hmm. So if I work in the school, uh, oftentimes my comfort circle may be my, you know, my colleagues on, my, on the same grade level or a few other teachers, I may ask. And sometimes in some of these schools, it's very homogenous. Um, everyone looks, starts looking the same um, as far as race and culture. And that becomes problematic because if everyone looks the same and everyone's in the same school, a lot of the resources may be very limited and some of them may not look any different than how they look. Um, so I think that is that is definitely part of it. And then not even knowing how to reach out to places where they could find that information, like not even knowing where to go mm-hmm. to access resources, like to even do that. Like, I think that's problematic too.
2: I think so too. I think just putting yourself out there, like and just saying, hey, can you come speak at my school? You know, you'd be surprised how many people would love to do that, you know, right. and and and, mm-hmm. and open that door. There is, and I do think research is showing that there is a drop in black and brown um our black and brown babies going into these fields just from our own child like um who we know is very i feel like engineering gifted like we can tell like that that's oh, that's like the path yeah. that like of course you're gonna like or his whole yeah. life we just knew that this is where he was gonna go i mean he mm-hmm. just that's just the type of mind that he has and so like i i think in my opinion i think that Schools can do a better job of um, one having STEM and then also incorporating the careers in STEM, like STEM careers. I just think that sometimes children yeah. don't even know yeah. the plethora yeah. of careers you can have yes. yeah. with the love that yeah. you yeah. have of science, technology, yeah. engineering, and mathematics.
1: They start thinking, all I can do is make a robot. Um, I was in yeah. robotics, I can make a robot. Right. Uh, that's my career. Or I can. Um, what what else do they what else would i mean
2: i just remember like we used to hey. in georgia we used to have a we had demand like we mandated for fifth grade to do a career project portfolio
1: Yeah, like the they had portfolio.
2: yeah they had to like look it up they had and then even one student was like um is creep like did you know and i forget the name of like when they cut down trees like people who cut down trees i forget the name of that person who does that she's like do you know that someone because andre can make this amount of money and they were like i do i would love to do that and i was like I didn't even know. That, I mean, I didn't even know that was called that, like, you know, and, and so like, I think just even having projects and research, re, like researching different careers in the field, I think kids just don't know how, how much, how rich it is. Right.
0: Well, and I want to go back to, I want to go back to your student, your kid, your kiddo, your child. Yeah who in your head you're like wow of course they're going to go into um stem and engineering and they're gifted and so i wonder if it's that you know the the conversations that you have and that's kind of like fueling their fire or mm-hmm. you know if it's uh, the achievement that came first and then like the chicken or the egg right was it oh, the okay. encouragement that kind of continued that yeah i am in stem or was it the stem that kind of you know started it going because my thinking is I'm wondering if everyone had that thought like oh my god they're totally
2: gonna do well like versus one versus the other so so for our son we I labeled him engineering gifted on my own that's my own mommy label but like (laughs) (laughs) but he really (laughs) he really is in my mind like that like, he's cracking up over here so like so I, I love think, it. so I think that we've just it's just what he's been like he was 100% into Legos and like how that gets put together for like till to, to the point where we felt like he was like almost too old like he was still doing like we still were buying him all these things and he loved it like he'd put it together and be like this until he got too cool right and then and then it was like he was like in like um like digital design and like like and he really loved his. he had a really good teacher and like he really flourished in that and then so we're like oh of course you're gonna do something in like engineering or Mm -hmm. like computer engineering and so like he's now he's like breaking out a point he's 18 gonna be 18 saturday and like we're like um Looking at schools, doing that whole thing, and like, what do you think you're gonna major in? And he's like, I don't know. And we're like, What? Huh? Yeah. Like, but
1: but we now what we did do, (laughs) so we made sure that no matter what schools that he was mentioning, they had to have an engineering program, a
2: decent engineering program, Hmm. because we feel like he's gonna,
1: he's gonna end up there. He's gonna end up. We, it's like we know he's gonna end up there. Um, and he's done some research to look at different um careers in engineering I personally think it might be civil engineering Mm -hmm. um because that's the one that he kind of like really was like oh I want to know a little bit more about that yeah um and then trying to make sure you connect them to people in the in the profession like I happen to know someone who um is a civil civil engineer but you know when they're 18 when you when your son's when it's not 18 yet well, yeah, he's eighteen. I'm saying Saturday. Saturday's eighteen. By the
2: time this job's um, eighteen, you know, you can't really
1: <laughs> force them to do it, and they really want to do it. So I'm kind of like trying to back away, like, hey, by the way, you know, here's a link yeah. to
2: another site yeah. that shows you yeah. different engineering jobs, like what they yeah. do. Yeah,
1: and a friend of mine, like you know, her older brother's an engineer. He just traveled the world because he makes that much, and he's really into it. Like he's really uh-huh. good at the job. And he would love to talk to you. Like, I've talked to him. He said, hey, you know, I'm waiting to hear from Bryson. Like, waiting to talk to him. So
2: like, imagine the power in like, not just what we're saying. Right. But imagine the power in if he had teachers that really instilled at a young age this yeah. is what this is here here are some influential people and innovative people in these fields you know what I mean and so like yes that's what uh, I'm getting
0: you got me you got me that's what I'm getting at like and and also that design teacher too that right. your son had that yeah. you know started feeding you're, you're feeling you're feeding
2: that that fire absolutely right. and so like that would have happened just a little bit younger you know what I mean like then I feel like would. this would be a no-brainer for him, right. right? It would be like, of course, this is what I'm going to do. Because yes. um, unfortunately, we see
0: the opposite happen, too. We see, mm-hmm. like, I had, um, I had a colleague, and um, her son was 10 at the time. And um, I think and it was just a conversation that was just in passing, and she said, mm, my son isn't really Harvard material. Mm. What?
1: Wow. Well, I mean... And?
0: you 10. ten like what wow. what made you think that and it's it's right. not her it's the it's the way that it's the system that she right. has <laughs> been in the the narrative that she has been told Absolutely. and the narrative that is getting passed on and
2: here i am trying to be like hop, hop, how do we break it down that's right yeah. that's yeah. right and and i think that's some of it and you know um Goldie Muhammad has written this book called Cultivating Genius. And I think that is so critical here because mm-hmm. it's one of those things that you want to make sure that your students know you're a mathematician. This is what you are. Right. right? Whether and, and, and there's different lanes to being a mathematician. And the reason why I say that, um, too, is we have another child who well, we have four you know we have four kids yeah. i think we we, so when we keep forgot saying, we have to another we have another yeah we yeah, have it's, it's four another children. child we have four kids four we children. forgot to say that at the beginning but like we yeah. have another child who um is labeled gifted in math not mommy gifted but like you know silly. yeah actually yeah um but she struggled <laughs> with her math facts like she struggled with her math facts. so like when i say struggle to memorize her math fact but when she got to fifth grade her math teacher was like yo, she is good. Her math skills are amazing. And I was like, "What?" like she struggled with like that Seriously, she was like, just the strategy she uses her math brain, her math mind. Yeah. She struggled to memorize the math, mm-hmm. facts, but she can tell you how to get to it. You know what I mean? Versus just saying five times four is 20. You know what I mean? She could tell you the why behind it. Um, and so that's, that's how she got labeled gifted because of her strength in knowing the why of math and to be able to strategically tell you that
0: and I love how you know I'm sure you unintentionally you know you heard what what you saw like oh we we need to work on the math facts this is the benchmark this is what we're seeing right and that this other teacher came in and said
1: yeah.
0: H-h-h-h. So yeah, and yeah, 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 <laughs> Exactly. Yep. And was able to dismantle that, which is fantastic because already they were they were forming a math identity that was that was not their true identity.
2: Exactly. Yep. And how many times does that happen with, with the children? Yeah. How many time. times does that happen um, with children going to talk to their counselor and their counselor tells them, <sighs> them that they can't do? You know, they are, you're only going to be in this box or whatever, but like really, truly seeing their genius, even for, even before you see it flourish, right? Mm So you see their genius even before the flower completely blooms.
0: Right. Right. I love that. And wow, time is flying. Here we are. And I wanted to just, you know, leave you all with this, with this question to, to think about for our listeners, especially for um, for our STEM teachers, you know, they, they have a lot on their plate. I know all of our teachers have a lot on their plate. And so as we're grappling with social emotional learning, you know, what's one thing that our teachers can really take on that, that can be something that they can implement, you know, tomorrow this week.
2: Mm-hmm. You want to start? Right. Um, I see I say, one thing is just making sure that you're reading the room, right? Checking mm-hmm. yes. in with your students and reading the room. Um, I think sometimes we get caught up in just our routines and our standards and our lesson plans that we forget to read the room to check in with our kids. Um, there's power in checking in. There's power in pulling your kids to the back table, not for like a small group, maybe just for just a one-on- one, how are you doing? So like that's something that I feel like is is doable um, to check in with your your students and authentically check in. Not like you know, I'm just checking out the box, but really checking in. I think that's something doable that, that teachers could do tomorrow.
1: I would say something that can definitely be done tomorrow is is grace even still a thing is that even still an option in 2022 it is it can be i mean because i feel I like hope
0: so i need you
1: know, it <laughs> i said because i feel like we kind of flushed that down the toilet mm-hmm. um, like the new year came and we were like yep grace was good grace is gone um i feel like that's <laughs> yeah. still something that we can do, and it's still in the vein of social emotional learning because it's empathy, right? Right, okay. Um, okay. Taking the time to actually not only just read the room as my wife said, but like also taking the time to like really listen to your students and like being able to tell, mm-hmm. hear the message behind what it is that they're saying. Yeah. Because especially yeah. if you're in high school, these are young adults. These aren't like, you know, these aren't the high schoolers from the nineties from the 80s and the 70s these high schoolers are like coming in with adult issues and while they have these issues Mm -hmm. they're going to make it undoubtedly into your classroom so Mm -hmm. taking the time to listen because maybe 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 they got an f on a test maybe there's a reason why they got the f on the test Mm -hmm. maybe there's a story there for you to actually connect with them on Mm -hmm. Um, and i feel like being empathetic Helps not only that student who probably is the greatest recipient of empathy at that time, but it also helps you as the educator because it helps you build with that student. yeah yeah so I would definitely say empathy. I went from grace to empathy, but I'm talking about empathy, so mm-hmm. being able to practice okay. empathy um, in your classroom, like starting tomorrow
0: mm-hmm. starting it. tomorrow Wow. Awesome. I feel so honored. I just had, I feel like I just had my very own conversations with the Creekmoors and <laughs> and I'm sure our audience will be craving more. So in the show notes, we will have a link to your um, conversations with the Creekmoors, Creekmoor conversations. What was it? It's yes. Creek More Conversations, Conversations. yes. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yes, Creek More Conversations. And mm-hmm. you can follow. We've got Love Teach Bless. We've got Bearded Counselor. So we've got the handles that are all going to be listed. But I think what I love about most is, you know, is your content. Both of your content is so, it's so authentic. It's so real. And you you really capture your passion in the work that you do and that's what we all of us educators really need right now so thank you so yes, much for having you, us
1: thank you for having us we really appreciate it we
0: do We had a great day. awesome well stay tuned and stay tuned for those show notes and have a wonderful wonderful rest of your day
1: thank you you too you take care
0: Thank you for tuning in to Teaching STEM For Real, where as you can see, we keep it for real for our STEM educators. If you enjoyed it, make sure that you are subscribed for our future content and please leave us a five-star rating and review. I hope you loved hearing about the why and now let's talk about the how. Let's partner together and do this work. Visit our website at www.stemforreal.org forward slash partnership. That's stem4real.org forward slash partnership. Until then, keep teaching STEM for
2: real.